1: Hello and welcome to Smart People Podcast, conversations that satisfy your curious mind. Listen, what happens when you accomplish everything you want? You build your family, you start your company, and that net worth starts creeping up over the B word, billions. And yet, it's still not enough. In fact, you spiral into depression, anxiety. What's the point of it all? That's exactly what we're here to talk about this week with our guest, Melissa Bernstein. Now, you may not know her by name, but you most likely know her business. Melissa Bernstein is the co-founder of the toy company, Melissa & Doug. The company was founded in 1988 by Melissa & Doug Bernstein in their basement. The couple grew that business to a value of over a billion dollars, and it looked like they were living the American entrepreneurial dream. But yet, as you'll come to learn, Melissa felt unfulfilled, unsatisfied. There was an itch that wasn't scratched. And she explains this entire journey in her new book, Lifelines, an inspirational journey from profound darkness to radiant light. I absolutely loved having Melissa on the podcast. It was such a fantastic experience, such great insight and a big life lesson for me. So I hope you enjoy it the same way I did. Listen, I don't want to blow the surprise, but I'm going to interrupt the conversation about six or seven minutes in with some really big news. So keep an ear out for that. And remember, you can always reach out to us and let us know what you think at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. If you love the episode, please share with a friend, and remember, you can support us and help us grow by heading on over to patreon.com slash smartpeoplepodcast. Here it is, our interview with Melissa Bernstein as we discuss her new book, Lifelines, an inspirational journey from profound darkness to radiant light. Enjoy. I'm so excited just because I want to know what it's like from your perspective and just to know the impact you and the business you've built has had on my family's life. Like Not just mine, not my wife's, my little kids, the toys that my, my parents buy them. It's one of the only brands that we actually even care about because- it, it it speaks to so much. What is it like for you to probably run into that on a fairly consistent basis?
2: Ah, uh, I can never hear it enough. It is the most amazing thing because the truth is I create those toys from my soul. Mm. And I truly, you know, there's this word in Greek. I don't know if you've heard of the word rocky It's Everyone's goal in life, it's to put a little bit of yourself in something you do because you love it so much. Yeah, and toys for me are my May Rocky. Like I truly believe that I put a little of my heart and soul in every single one. So when wow. people say that they they feel like they're alive and they have this this breath to them, I say it's because they really do. Uh, yeah. they really they really do.
1: When did you launch Melissa and Doug?
2: Oh gosh. Doug says, we launched a business out of wedlock. He's like, we conceived our first child out of wedlock (laughs) because we were just dating. So I was 22 and Doug was 24 and we were just babies. And, you know, through life, we pursued the conventional path Mm -hmm. because by the way, in those days, society would not have allowed us to start a business and a toy company, no less. Yeah. So, we both pursued really conventional paths. You know, I was destined to be a lawyer. I decided at age 10, I was going to be a lawyer, even though, by the way, I'm a white space, boundless, expansive imagination, creative. And like law would have been the worst career for me ever. But I pursued law. It, it, it bombed out because I had a panic attack in the middle of the LSAT and couldn't finish. That's another story. It was horrible. I had to null out the LSAT and and not apply to law school. But anyway, we were pursuing very traditional paths and only because we both started to truly grow depressed. And I got to the point where I couldn't even get out of bed because I didn't know why I was doing what I was doing and what it was doing to impact the world.
1: Wow. This is one of the first times I've been rendered speechless <laughs> because like I've got goosebumps. I got tears in my eyes. And let me tell you why your story mirrors mine to the T. I same thing. I went into finance and I had to quit because of a panic attack, a little so- a panic attack. I passed out in the office, drove myself to the emergency room and eventually, and here's where it gets crazy. What what's born of that? This podcast, this is that's how this podcast started.
2: Oh my gosh. That so is we're not
1: Melissa and Doug, but we created something when I say we, it was me and my best friend out of mm-hmm. that confusion, that wake up call, that, that yes. thing that happens.
2: So I went to finance after wow. the law debacle and went to Morgan Stanley as the most coveted role, the financial analyst, yep. you know, and I was flown to New York, ate dinner at windows on the world. Got this role that I felt such pride in getting for about three days until part of that analyst program, it was a two-year program, and then you go to business school and come back as an associate, was you, we took a mini MBA at Columbia, and I knew from the very first day of that mini MBA that something was very wrong yeah. because we were like doing like ledgers and balance sheets and and I truly, I was seeing like like blur in front of my eyes, and I was looking around at my peers, and they were all like busily, you know, doing their work. And I, that's when I had I had a panic attack in the LSAT, and I had a panic attack during that MBA when I knew, like this, I I don't even know what they're talking about. Wow! It was like another language, this number thing.
1: <laughs> looking back on that, how. Do you think that experience, the getting it wrong up front, conventional route, panic attack, I mean, very specific, how do you think it has impacted you to this day?
2: We could have an entire episode on this. It impacted me to such an extent.
1: Hey, everyone, Chris here, pausing this interview. Look, do you like where this conversation is going? Are you curious about the lessons learned? Are you curious about the steps she took? To start Melissa and Doug, to become a multimillionaire, to fight through the hardships, then I think you're going to love our new project. John and I are finally launching our second podcast. We cut out some portion of this interview. I spoke with Melissa for nearly an hour and a half, and a lot of that's going to go into our new podcast which is all about getting things done. Now, look, Smart People Podcast will always exist. It's at the core of what we do. It's here where we gather information, we share opinions, we satisfy our curiosity, and we expand our worldviews. But what do we do with that knowledge? This new podcast is going to have experts, entrepreneurs, psychologists, philosophers, coaches, with the sole purpose of helping you accomplish what you want, and live the life you're proud of. What's that thing you want? It could be in health, it could be with your family, could be with your bank account, it could be with your mindset. There are steps that we can learn from people like Melissa to get you to where you want to go. So here's what we're offering. Put down what you're doing and go to smartpeoplepodcast.com slash new. That's smartpeoplepodcast.com slash new. It's a quick sign-up, and what it's going to do is allow us to communicate with you all of the things leading up to the launch of this new podcast. Additionally, anyone on that list will be automatically entered in promotions and giveaways as we build up to this amazing new launch. So this podcast, Smart People Podcast, will continue to be a place where we expand our minds, but this new podcast is going to be a place where we take that knowledge and put it to action to build the life we are proud of smartpeoplepodcast.com slash new. Sign up, be in the know, be part of the launch. Let's get back to talking to Melissa. So let's talk about this. You start Melissa and Doug. When did you realize that that company had made it? And at least from a financial and security perspective, you were set.
2: You really want to know the truth?
1: Oh gosh. Yeah.
2: About eight years. Wow! of slogging it through and pivoting so many times you wouldn't even believe it. I mean, wow. you know, we really had a tough start and many times, you know, questioned whether we should even continue. And I mean, one of the stories, you know, in my book is very early on, our own factory, our only factory that made our puzzles knocked us off, copied us and came to the very trade show we were exhibiting with the same product, two aisles down, trying to like undersell us. And we we decided we were leaving. We were like, this industry stinks. This is the most immoral, corrupt industry ever. And we were like, we're done. Wow. We we can't be part of this. And, and toys is, it's pretty bad. So really? we decided we were going back to grad school. So we like, we actually went through the motions of ending our company because of a trauma that happened and just by so again i guess you'd call fake karma whatever you want to (laughs) call it we we ended up uh hanging on so like we were on the hot plate with ramen and turkey hot dogs for years i mean it wasn't anything that you would you would call pretty and you know one of my laments is i don't even have any mementos from the first 10 years, really, because it was so horrible. Like to, I would have never thought we'd be, we'd, we'd be talking about it 30 years later and and want to have all those really, you know, cool mementos that at the time we were like, we're never going to need this.
1: Yeah. For the person in that slog, whether it's starting a company, starting a podcast, starting a YouTube channel, there's so many opportunities these days and feeling the pain, which is real yeah. in anything. You could ask anyone who's ever built anything, I'm sure. What do you wish you did differently or acknowledged at the time?
2: You know, the great thing is we we both knew it was going to be difficult. And that we're, we're both, Doug and I both have the strongest work ethic, I think, of any, any two people together. Mm-hmm. And we never imagined it would be a fairy tale. In fact, we always said to each other, like, if it were easy, there'd be more people doing what we're doing. Yeah. So we like knew we were doing something, um, something unusual. I think what I learned later, which I wish I knew earlier, was just keep fighting through each challenge. Stare it squarely in the eye and don't think about the future. Think about that one thing, what you can do to make sure it never happens again. Mm. And know that if you keep doing that, you will ultimately get to a place where no one else is. And then you will, you know, you will, you will rest easier.
1: (laughs) Hey everyone, it's Chris again. This is the last time I'm going to interrupt. I'm going to make it brief. But just a reminder, we took out a lot of this conversation that related to action steps. And we are going to be including that in our brand new podcast. We wanted this episode to focus a little bit on her business, but also, as you'll hear in a little bit, the more personal side. However, the steps she took, the solutions she offers, the tips she has, those action items are specifically what this new podcast is for. So if you're somebody who wants to build your successful life, be sure to sign up for our new podcast, smartpeoplepodcast.com new. That way you'll never miss it. You'll know what's happening, and you'll be first to hear about it. Smartpeoplepodcast.com slash new. Back to the episode. Enjoy some amazing lessons from Melissa. I want to talk about finding and surrounding yourself with the right people. How did you know that Doug was not only your, your person, but also your business partner?
2: It was just luck. It was just karma. And the, the best karma about it is if you have a partner and you're both the same half of the pie— That is not going to work and you are going to have a bitter breakup in both your in both your personal and your professional life. And it just so happens by sheer luck that we're opposite halves of the pie. And it's not that we can't do each other's half of the pie, but we don't want to. Mm -hmm. So we were so fortunate that I really focused on the the product and and the sales because when you love product so much and you know why it's so incredible you can really help to convey that to others and then Doug oh my gosh he's the people he has this gift of hiring the most incredible people it's like a uh-huh. it's like a skill no one has ever shown me in my life He has um, the operations and he has the quality safety. He was like rabid about our quality safety. And those were all things that like I wasn't good at and I couldn't do.
1: The spark definitely doesn't want to do that. I can tell you with 100% certainty, you do not want to do that.
2: Especially quality safety. I (laughs) want it. I want those products to be amazing. But like, do I want to be testing them?
1: No. No yeah that's
2: funny so um so it it just worked out in a way that was so incredible because the truth is we're both really a plus 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 personality types mm. and there is not a chance if we were in each other's circles or each in each other's halves of the circle that it would have worked mm. because i don't like to be told what to do i'm a dogmatic creative who like sees it and wants to go full speed toward my vision and yeah. he is exactly the same So, yeah, so it's a rare partnership, too, because we're both really strong. This episode
0: is brought to you by Rocket Money. I've always struggled with finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. But now I use Rocket Money and it does all of that for me. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash smart. That's rocketmoney.com slash smart. One last time, rocketmoney.com slash smart.
1: People listening who, who aren't aware might think, and this is where it ends, right? You create Melissa and Doug, incredible company, but it's not this happily ever after. So tell us the impetus for this book and really how there's this differentiation between the successful entrepreneur and what I might call the happy individual.
2: Well, I think entrepreneurship is really just life. And I think just as we try to make entrepreneurship look so shiny and perfect, and that nobody ever makes mistakes and they just go from zero to 500 million, like, and it's a breeze, and all the while raising this perfect family, you know, that's how we look at life too. I think we always try to show the shiny side and, All the media and advertising and social media in the world just shows like everyone looking like it's effortless and easy. And I think this new venture, which is called Lifelines, is about ripping off that mask and ripping off the guys on all of it. I mean, it's 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 life. It's being a mom. It's being an entrepreneur and saying like, hey, it's everything. You know and we say like don't just put out this shiny side like that's all of it because it's not and it's not for anyone and any of us who tries to pretend that life is just happy all the time and shiny is just denying the truth so i'm i don't want to do that any longer and i want to show people that it's okay that life is everything and in fact when you embrace the shadow side, when you embrace the downs and the tough times, it only makes the beautiful times brighter and sweeter. And you only appreciate them more. I mean, when Doug and I, you know, we don't we don't talk about the good old days too much. But when we talk about some of those deep, dark days when we were terrified to, like, look at our mail yeah. um, because, you know, you just didn't know what it was going to bring. Like that makes the fact that we did fight through it and and survive like all the more incredible. Hmm. So I think we have to show both sides of the coin to not make our kids fall into this fallacy that life is perfect. Because if you believe life is supposed to be happy all the time and perfect, then guess what happens? When it isn't, which it isn't for anyone, guess what you feel like? You feel like you failed. That you're a loser you feel inadequate and you feel worthless and the number one negative cognition of humanity is i am worthless uh-huh. because it's society that sets us up for the fall from day one and then does nothing to to wink and say it was just a joke it's really not all shiny but oops we forgot to tell you that so i'm the one here to tell everybody that it's not supposed to be shiny it's supposed to be ups and downs And you will have beautiful, you know, rainbows and butterflies and sunsets. But you're also going to have some really dark, dark, deep caverns of despair when you think you might not get out. And then you're going to get out of them and go back up to the butterflies and rainbows and back on down. And that is exactly what life is supposed to be. And it's okay.
1: I think you're right. It doesn't it doesn't get said enough. And I applaud, as you're mentioning, the new venture you have in the book which I want to talk about lifelines an inspirational journey from profound darkness to radiant light. I know you are going to get this question a million times and you probably already have, but it's at the core of in my opinion this book. How does Melissa Bernstein rich entrepreneur successful experience downs? I mean we all know, but like are your downs less than my downs? You know what I mean? Because I do. It seems hard. You reached yeah the societal mountaintop how do you ever experience the valleys
2: that's a great question and i have gotten that you know in a much less nice way i get it all the time <laughs> and i love that question because you know there's a stigma against people like me that we aren't allowed to feel despair right mm. because we've achieved everything and you could argue if you want to take the converse you could argue that people like me would actually potentially fall into an even deeper existential crisis of meaning because I've had everything, right? I achieved the dream. Right. There is no further for me to go. I have everything I could ever imagine. Truthfully, yeah. my best friend is my business partner and I adore him and he adores me. We have six children. We have every material thing we could ever imagine. Like We, we are doing what we love and yet that didn't do it for me so what does that mean Uh where do I go now and and they you know the the mystics say that those who truly transcended had everything and it's a precursor to full transcendence because you have to know that having everything is actually not at all what it means to be fulfilled and whole within so Uh, you know, you could say that my crisis is even deeper than those who are still striving, believing that when they get there, it'll be waiting for them.
1: That, oh gosh, that was a goosebumps moment. That's so huge. Like that's where we need to go because a lot of people don't reach the mountaintop and maybe that's a blessing. We spend our lives striving for it and we have that meaning. I know for me, much different level, but I've had a vision of what my life was going to be when I was an adult. And I just hit that vision about 90% of it. Um, 14 months ago, we bought this house, got my kids. I got my dream house. I have land. I have animals. I've got, I'm like, I don't hate my job. I don't hate waking up every day, like for work, all this stuff. And I remember when we moved in, I'm sitting there, I've got a fire. It's December of 2020. Yep. I remember talking to somebody and said, I made it like if nothing changed, if somebody said, this is your life for the rest of it, I'd be content a year later. I'm striving. I'm just striving. I'm just, you can't yep. run away from who you are. Yep. And so what you're helping me confirm and reconfirm and recognize is if you're lucky enough, you get to the point where that 90% becomes 100. There isn't a an external strive left. And that is the only time you can be faced with the truth of what your life is all about. So
2: exactly,
1: take us from there. And that's there.
2: that the Buddha himself... Was a prince oh, and right. had yeah, yeah. everything. You know, not that I'm I'm saying you know some no, people no, don't subscribe yeah. to that. But if you want to say the Buddha who was enlightened, right. had everything and renounced it all because he realized like it wasn't he he wasn't he didn't have his meaning.
1: Hmm. So what do you do? I mean, I can now see how terrifying that is. You have it all, and we all know this deep down. That's not enough.
2: Right.
1: What's it feel like at that moment? When you're like, I have it all and I still have this emptiness.
2: Yeah, it felt like I was living on the outside, the periphery of my being, mm. right? I was living in the reaching the futile race, the race where you need more, 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 more. And you realize at one horrific moment that you will be chasing that more for the rest of your life in vain because it will not fill that inner dearth. Mm. And I realized that I had never filled my soul with anything that brought me meaning Mm. and, and, and I had never accepted myself in totality to really find that meaning and connect with others from, from that heart space. So that was when, that was when I hit my crisis. Uh, It was, and that's why it comes in midlife for most of us. I now understand because it takes those years of striving and reaching and yes the striving is actually the best part of life because you have a goal and you have a mission and you feel like you'll get it and then things will be great and that that gives you hope that is the most hopeful time you will ever be which is why many say those who have very little but are hoping and striving are the happiest because they feel They have purpose every day in trying to rise above where they are. Hmm. So when I crashed was when I had everything I could ever want and still felt utterly empty inside. The exact same way I felt my whole life had not changed one iota. Even though I had every shiny bauble to display and say, look at me now.
1: For those listening who are maybe unaware of your story or haven't read the book yet, and and of course we're going to talk about that a little bit more, and we'll link to that. But from the outside, what did your crash look like? And we're talking this is after this is not when I'm 21. This is when I'm a successful entrepreneur. What did it look oh, like yeah, from the outside? Just a few years ago. Yeah. Could we have seen it? Uh, did others notice it?
2: No, no, it was an internal crash. Mm. It was basically reaching the point where the exhaustion from racing outside myself futilely for that many years and the pain you know pain plus resistance equals suffering Mm. so i was in all this deep pain my whole life that i submerged and repressed and denied i resisted it by submerging repressing and denying it equals suffering and the suffering i had been able to also repress and deny but there comes a point when you get older and just your, your ability, I think of it as a dam that's holding back this like this deep repressed pain. And my dam was starting to get cracks in it because I was exhausted. And the word everyone uses when they write me who are depressed is exhaustion, exhausting, exhausted. Because when you're denying everything you're feeling and denying who you are, it is the most exhausting thing you can do it is like mm. it is just it is it's brutal so there was i forget one like little tipping point i don't even remember what it was because it didn't matter it could be anything right. where i truly like sat down and i took maybe the first breath i've ever taken in my life and i was like i'm done i surrender mm. I, I can't do this any longer and that was the first moment in my entire lifetime that i admitted I, I can't do this alone. I am not perfect. I need help and I need to make that journey inward and finally discover who Melissa is outside all the shiny pretend facade and accept myself and learn what it means to feel and all those things that I had never done. Hmm. Um, and, and that's when I sought professional help for the very first time and began to take this inward journey that by the way, the reason I resisted it for that long was because it was whew, the most grueling, arduous. You think building a company's hard? Uh, it's nothing. You think raising six kids, six C-sections is hard? Yes. No. Nope. <laughs> nope. Yes. <laughs> that journey that I've taken the last four years, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. And, wow. um, and it, it almost broke me. Uh, When I had to face the the existential despair in all its darkness, I almost didn't come back up, Um, but I did. And, and it was life-changing.
1: You know, what this is making me wonder is if there's a way to avoid it, because I tend to be solution oriented. And my thought, my question was going to be, look, if Melissa Bernstein can experience this, you know, after success. How does the 25 year old entrepreneur notice that, learn from it and not have to experience it? But I'm wondering if it's just a rite of passage to, to, to be successful. You're going to, to meet this. Like there's, you know, I wonder if there is a solution or it's just like saying, if you want to live, you're going to feel love and pain or something like that. It's just a given.
2: I think depending on your vibrational frequency determines whether you are whether you need that in order to find fulfillment or whether you're fine just being at the equanimous line and living your life and just being okay. Hmm. And there are many of us who are okay. Like we don't have those deep needs to, you know, transcend and be enlightened and awaken. And we don't hear the cry of our soul to be seen And i kind of envy those those people and i've had many many psychiatrists psychologists and philosophers say to me it's a gift ignorance is bliss yeah and it's a gift to kind of just go through life and enjoy the simple things and not be weighed down by your own stuff Mm -hmm. you know and i think i'm you know unfortunately an overly ruminating intellectual heady person and and that becomes the source of all our despair
1: yeah
2: so so i think it depends who you are, you know, mm. and I think I look at my own kids and I have met a couple who are just happy go lucky. We'll, I know will never, thank goodness, like have to go through the angst that I went through. And I have a couple mm. others who are very intellectual and they're already struggling because when you ask why questions, when you second guess everything, when you ruminate, when you're really creative and you you are overly sensitive and you have a deep well of feeling from the highest highs to the lowest lows, like in a way you're doomed. Yeah. Um you're you're going to and and the philosophers say, you know, the line between an authentic life and an inauthentic life is angst, A N G S T. Hmm. Tremendous angst. And the only way to deal with the angst is through it.
1: I love how you mentioned that. And I love how you mentioned your kids, because I think the best way to give advice is imagine what you do or will say to your kids, you know, what will you say to them at, let's call it 25, 30, 35, doesn't matter that adulthood age, or maybe earlier about what you now know, having gone through what, you know, will you try to shield them from it or prepare them for the inevitable?
2: Well, I'm happy to say two of them work with us on Lifelines, okay. and they've all they've all heard my story and read my book. Mm-hmm. So they all know it is like. In fact, the crazy thing is the high school newspaper did an article on me that is debuted today, and it's like the center of oh, no. the high school newspaper, which I feel so terrible about because you know two of my kids are there. Yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. Melissa has depression. <laughs> I've like become the the poster child in our town for, you know, despair, which is hysterical for the person who like hid everything like this from the world for for half a century. But I think, you know, I think it's really good. I mean, I think if you can if you can share who you are and and my goal is to show that you can have an affliction and still live a bountiful successful high achieving life and you know i've chosen to do this holistically so i have you know because i'm the i'm the warrior Mm -hmm. like i was like i need to feel everything i'm feeling and harness that into create creative outlet and i in order to do it holistically i need my medicine is my backpack of lifelines mm. that I have to tap into every single day to keep afloat. And it's a practice that I have to engage in. And, you know, some people take pills as their medicine. I use these lifelines. And um, and as long as I know that I need those, because I do have a condition and I can fall into despair really quickly and maybe not come back up, um, as long as I enlist my lifelines... Every single day, like I can be really equanimous and, you know, experience a lot of joy each day.
1: I want to talk about lifelines, though. Tell us a little bit more about it. So like I mentioned, we're going to link to the book, but tell us about the venture itself because it's far deeper than just here's my book on it.
2: It sure is. And Doug and I committed. I mean, how amazing to work with your best friend and your partner on two ventures in your life, which I never thought we'd do we committed to spending the rest of our life helping others and doing this free, like offering a free ecosystem for those to show people, one, they are not alone, because it sounds very cliched, but if you grew up in my body, you would know that I felt utterly and completely alone and that no one would ever accept me for the qualities that made me creative, which were extremely highly sensitive and very stigmatizing. So, we want anyone who's feeling like they don't belong and they're isolated and rejected to come to us and we will embrace them with open arms, which we've been doing. Um, two, which is maybe the most important, is despite how dark it seems, we all have the capacity within to channel our darkness into light and find meaning. I did and I was an existential nihilist, which is the darkest form of existential despair you can be in, so it is possible. We just get so submerged by our own despair, our traumas, our burdens, our responsibilities, that we lose sight of those beautiful sparks in us that long to kindle into a bonfire with humanity. Mm -hmm. And then three, uh, until we stop racing outside ourselves for the quick fix answer or for the validation through achieving, and we stop, and decide and choose to make that journey inward and accept ourselves in totality, we will never rest in peace or find fulfillment.
1: So tell us about, again, the book Lifelines, An Inspirational Journey from Profound Darkness to Radiant Light. If somebody's like, yeah, I, I'm going to read the book, but I want more. Where do they go?
2: Yeah, they can go to lifelines.com. Okay. And we're just beginning, but we have beautiful community. We have a private Facebook group that is, oh, it's amazing what the the support they're giving each other in there it it will bring tears to your eyes in a a minute it's that beautiful and then every day in fact I'm doing one in an hour every day we have workshops and I lead most of them on really deep meaning questions that no one ever talks about I mean yesterday we talked about how to get unstuck We talk tomorrow, we're talking about the myth of balance, like all these myths that society saddles us with that are just ridiculous. And we just rail about them. And we talk about strategies to not fall victim to them. Hmm. And they're really beautiful. We get hundreds of people and we have beautiful conversations and our community shares with us. And um, we're just, you know, we're offering, it's it's not professional, it's peer-to-peer support. And it's just sharing these stigmatizing feelings that most people never show.
1: Well, and you have, you know, not only the ability to verbalize it and uh, the ability to be honest about it, but you have the background of kind of having been in some of the trenches that a lot of people either want to be in or say they want to be in. So I think that is going to resonate immensely.
2: You know, I'm not a professional and I always say that. But the truth is, once you've been to the darkest caverns of your own being, it's like something changes in you and you have no fear of going there with someone else. Right. And I have been there numerous times now and I have no fear. Like I will walk shoulder to shoulder with you to the darkest forms of despair and never leave you yeah. because I didn't, someone didn't leave me when I was down there. And I know how it feels to know someone's down there with you. So, I think um, it took offering myself compassion and healing myself before I could heal anyone else. But now I really feel like um, I've seen the I've seen the light, literally, and can help others do the same.
1: Well, Melissa, I just have to say I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I feel I feel so many connections, so many corollaries. Um, I appreciate the work you've done thus far, the impact it's had on, on my family. I appreciate the work you're doing now. Um, And I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much for sharing. All right. I hope
0: you enjoyed that interview with Melissa Bernstein. Her book, Lifelines, an inspirational journey from profound darkness to radiant light can be found wherever books are sold. All right. Let's jump through all the housekeeping items, but I'm sure you heard Chris mention it in the interview, but we've got some exciting news. We've got a new podcast that's under development and we want you to sign up to our newsletter to hear all about it. So if you're interested in the new show that we have coming out, head over to smartpeoplepodcast.com slash new and sign up for the newsletter there. And as always, if you'd ever like to reach out to the show, you can email us at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at smartpeoplepod. And if you're in the giving mood and you want to support the show monetarily, head over to patreon.com smartpeoplepodcast. And of course, you can stay up to date with all things Smart People Podcast by heading over to the website and signing up for the newsletter. All right, that's it for us this week. Hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you stay tuned because we've got a lot of great interviews coming up. And we will see you all next episode.